If you could share one big idea to change the future of education, what would it be? In our One Big Idea series on Future of School, the podcast, we'll hear from a diverse array of education stakeholders, from parents and educators to longtime industry leaders who will share their bold proposals to transform teaching and learning in the United States. Together, we'll amplify one another's unique perspectives, consider new solutions, and above all, make sure every voice is included in the conversation. This is the Future of School podcast mini-series called One Big Idea. On today's episode, we will hear from the incredible, passionate Dr. Simi Rayford. Simi is a second-generation educator who now serves as Vice President of Education and Transformation at MGT Consulting. Welcome, Simi. Thank you so much, Amy. It's, it's such an honor and a privilege to be here with you. Well, I'm really excited to hear about your one big idea. So take it away. Thank you. Well, my one big idea is one that I have thought about many, many times, and it's continued to come back kind of as a recurring theme. And that's the whole notion of build a child, build a nation. When I started teaching back in 1983, I taught fifth grade. I actually, as part of that second generation educator, when my sister retired, I took over her classroom. So there was a bit of an age gap between us. So so there I was. It's like, you know, big sister, little sister teaching. And one of the one of the things that struck me early on was not just that I've got to teach these children, uh, you know, how to be better readers and how to do math. I said, I've I've got to teach them how to be wonderful people as well, you know, how to take all these things that I'm putting in their heads and hopefully putting something in their hearts as well. So that I I said as my mission early on that every day I wanted every day to be joyous. So regardless of what had happened on the bus coming to me or at home the previous night, when they came to me, I wanted my classroom to be full with uh, love and a love of reading and a love of all the subjects that I was teaching. And I thought the more I could pour into them, and they were nine and 10, uh, so the more I could pour into them, I was thinking, okay, if they, if I really build them up, then when they go to middle school to a different school, they can take everything I've poured into them and take that with them. So even though the next year they'd be changing classes and having harder subjects, I would have poured enough into them in terms of both knowledge, self-confidence, and hopefully a really love, a strong love of learning that it could take them through the things that I, I had no control over and things moving on. Then over the years, I began to think, you know, if if every teacher at every grade level came into that same notion of building just a love and a passion for learning, a positive environment where children felt nurtured and supported, they could then take all of that into life beyond high school, into college, into careers, into the military, uh, wherever they went, we would have filled them with such a wellspring of of emotional and academic strength that they'd be ready to just kind of take on the world and and make, you know, each successive generation stronger and stronger. And I know that's kind of a big vision, but I am such a passionate advocate for teaching that I think that is the magic that we possess as educators that no one else really has, is we prepare people who will be the next generation and who will form the society that we are going to live in. So when we can do that really well, it has a tremendous impact. And and I'll use a couple of examples. One of my my 
big ahas uh, around how the importance of building children was in an activity that I did when I worked with new teachers. So I did training to sort of an induction program. And one of the exercises that I did was to ask teachers what were the most powerful learning experiences that they had had. And strangely, none of them talked about taking the SAT or taking a test. (laughs) They talked about these incredible experiences that they had had around learning and how it had shaped them and and their outlook on things. And one of the ones I really remember well was I was working in a school district in a very small rural uh, school in Virginia. And the teacher who was probably in her 40s or maybe early 50s, so this had happened when she was in high school. It was a small town, so she said her science teacher called all the parents, said, hey, I'm going to keep the kids um, till about, oh, eight or nine o'clock on Friday. They need to bring a blanket and uh, we'll make sure they get supper. So we got their permission and he was going to teach them about the solar system. And the way he was going to do it was they were going to have supper. They were going to lay out on their blankets, look up at the sky, and he was going to teach the whole lesson. And to see her face light up about this event that had happened like 35 years ago. And then as other teachers told these similar stories, it was a spark. And several people talked about how the experiences that they had with teachers made them Uh, led to their decision to become a teacher. And again, I thought, wow, those adults, those teachers had had teachers that had poured into them in such a way that it kind of guided their path ultimately into education. Not all of them uh, had originally thought that they would be teachers, but I said they they had put that spark in them that gave them that love of learning, that gave them a memorable learning experience that, you know, many years later, she says, every time I look up at the night sky, I I can name, you know, there's, you know, Orion, you know, and I can still do that. And she talked about, you know, doing something similar with her own children. So I thought about how if we could, when we think about what we want the world to be, whether we want the world to be kind, whether we want the world to be filled with people who are passionate about making their piece of the world, their neighborhood, their city, their state, a great place to live, they have to have the tools in which to do that. And what better people to give them those tools than their teachers? So if we can build, I remember, being in school and uh, back when voting, for example, uh, you'd go to the polls and, and my mother would take me and there was this uh, booth that you'd walk into that had this big lever that you had to pull to close the curtains and it made this kind of crunk sound. So only your listeners of a certain age will know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but uh, but but it was so exciting and mom would pick me up and there were all these little levers or things that you had to punch. And I thought that was really cool. And they brought uh, a booth to my school one day. And I thought, oh my gosh, look at this, I'm voting. And we voted on something simple at the school. But again, that whole notion of being excited about voting and doing your civic duty, all of those, those were all things that it was just a lesson. And it was just on one level, it was something that was so simple and it was fun. 
but it stayed with me forever. And so I remember when the law changed where I can't remember, uh, this is my poor history failing me for a moment, my knowledge of it, but when you did uh, be 18, I think, and vote. And that was the first thing I wanted to do was like, because I remembered this thing that I'd done in like fifth or sixth grade and how exciting it was. And the chunk curtains were gone. So, uh, but uh, the system that was in place, I knew about it because I had learned about it in school. And I think when we think about what are the what are the experiences that we can give children when they're still so malleable and open? I, uh, for example, I interned in kindergarten, and the thing I loved about five year olds, whatever you tell them or ask them, they think they can be it. So if you say, "Who's going to be an astronaut?" I'm going to be an astronaut. Yeah. You know, who's going to be the president? I'm going to be the president. <laughs> and then somehow, by the time they get to middle school or high school, who's going to be president? And either they're like, well, I don't want to look like the nerd who's, you know, thinks they can be president. And somehow that 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 spark and all that excitement just kind of wanes, you know, as with maturity and other things. But um, if we can continue that spark all the way through of that sense of possibility and wonder and build that and know that you don't just have to, you know, if things aren't the way you like it, you can change it. You can have a better idea. You can be that person. And if collectively, if that became the focus of thinking about, we're not just educating the minds, we're educating the next generation of citizens in our country and global citizens throughout the world. If if we could align everything we do with the idea of, you know, this four or five year old coming in with all this enthusiasm and excitement about learning all the way to that 17 or 18 year old, 12 or 13 years later, if every step of the way we continue to build them into people who love learning, who want to know, who want to have an impact, what incredible people uh, we would produce at the end of that. And, And again, wherever their paths take them after graduating high school, that we've, we've put that spark in them that they would just carry it through and continue. Yeah. So, wow. I mean, you're giving us a lot to think I'm about. So, and so I, I was going to say. That's the whole point. When we come to the table with a big idea, we want it to be big. We want it that's, to be big. So that's my big idea. Yeah. So it's, it's what I'm hearing from you is that like from an individual perspective, it's putting really highlighting those definable moments when, you right. know, when kids are having them and then right. believing that that will carry them through, right? Throughout the rest right. of their lives. Right. And those definable moments, you know, it's experiential learning, it's got relevancy, it feeds their right. curiosity. Exactly. And and that's triggered by, in large part, by educators. So exactly. shout out to our educators who are listening of the, you know, you never know the impact that you have. Right. And then going to your, to the build a child, build a nation, then a question for you, is it, is it a program? Is it a philosophy or is it both? It's both. It's a philosophy that says, you know, there's oh, there are lots of sayings in education. And uh, as an elementary person, we always say, well, elementary people teach kids, high school teach subjects with the notion that, you know, we're this fuzzy, you know, warm, fuzzy, caring. And then, you know, once they get to high school, it's like six classes and you're just going from one to the other. But the philosophy is we are not just here 
for their minds. We're, we're, we're capturing their imaginations and their passions as well. And so when you go into every subject, you have, you know, and we've had a lot of different uh, educators that had have had similar uh, philosophies. Like I think about um, the, the late great Madeline Hunter had this notion of the anticipatory set. So as you go into every lesson, you do things where the kids are like, oh, what are we going to learn? You, you build this anticipation and that excitement of what we're going to learn today. And then you continue to just go deeper and deeper and deeper with it. And, and you carry the children right along with you. So it starts with not just, well, we, we've got to cover a certain bit of, of learning because we're going to be tested on it in the year, but it, it should go higher than that. It should go to a point of, I have learned something that one, I, I see as meaningful to learn it, not just, you know, uh, the, the the bane of every teacher's existence is when a teacher says, when a child says, is this important? Is this going to be on the test? And it's like, yeah, of course it's yeah. important, you know, regardless of whether it's going to be on the test. But, but it starts as a philosophy. And then from there, it becomes a practice of whatever my scope and sequence is, whatever skills that I'm responsible for um, ensuring the kids learn, you know, whatever I'm responsible for in terms of what children should know and be able to do after spending a year in my classroom, undergirding all of that is what, how is that affecting their minds, their ability to think, and how are they internalizing this? Again, not just for the purpose of passing a test, but this is something, just to use the vernacular, this was so cool. And I don't necessarily know if I'm going to actually use it for anything, but it was just really cool to have this learning experience. And so whether that's having more hands-on things where we actually get to do something and not just, you know, see it, you know, very two-dimensionally on a sheet of paper or, or projected on a, on a smart board, but I actually got to do something with this. Now that I've learned this, what am I going to do with it? And having that then, whatever curricular implications there are of that in terms of materials or websites or whatever we're using in the classroom. But it's something that, in a practical sense, I would love to have it be programmatically in such a way that whenever they can get, get in the car, you know, to go home or go home and somebody say, what'd you do today? You can tell because you can they can say something because they actually did something. Mm. Um, you know, they didn't just sit and listen passively. They actually did something that day that they can speak about to, you know, any other child or adult that asks them about it. Well, amazing big idea. Build a child, build a nation. Love yeah. it. And I encourage our listeners to share this big idea and then also share with us at Future of School how you're doing this. So thank you, Simi, for being here. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Oh, gosh, our time has just flown. But <laughs> uh, but I, I've got to give just a final shout out. I'm, I'm always, you know, as that second generation educator, I love being a teacher. I, I, I work with adults mainly now. And I often think about, as, as many teachers do that first class, you do, I do the math. My first uh, group of students would be 45, 46 now, or, or no, actually they, they'd be in their fifties now and, and parents and probably grandparents themselves. And my fondest dream would be that somewhere one of them is telling their child or their grandchild, they see something and they're telling them a story about something Ms. Rayford did with them in class, you know, in, in fifth grade. So that would be the ultimate. So with that, thank you so much for giving me the time and for sharing my big idea. 
Absolutely. Thank you for listening to Future of School, the podcast. What's your one big idea to transform education? Connect with us on social media or on our website, www.futureof.school to share. And if you're one of our listeners enjoying the podcast on Apple, we hope you'll consider leaving a five-star review to help more people find the show.